0: Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a therapist and author based on the west side of Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to my podcast named after my recent book, It's Not About the Sex. Here we have honest conversations related to compulsive sexual behavior and trauma, all from a sexual health perspective. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints and practical strategies toward establishing greater intimacy and a more deeply connected life. Let's begin. Clifton Fair is a licensed mental health counselor, certified in international professional coaching, and a certified group psychotherapist. This is his biography as he shared it with us. I was adopted by a beautiful couple Upon my move to South Florida from Louisiana, my father, Dr. Scott Fear and my mother Ellen provided me with an environment where I could not only live, but thrive being the son of two therapists, the standards were high. My grandmother was also the founder of the birthing canal therapeutic process within the Greenwich village community of New York city. I struggled with severe depression, which manifested in the form of suicidality and chronic isolation. Not really understanding and not knowing how to overcome that, I relied heavily on my new adopted family. The initial plan upon coming into my parents' lives was to begin nursing school and find a career in healthcare. Instead, they asked, have you ever thought of becoming a therapist? So welcome, Cliff. I'm so glad that you could join us today.
1: Thank you very much, Andrew. I really appreciate the invite and just the opportunity to share some space with you. This is a this is a really cool opportunity. Thank you very much.
0: The opportunity is definitely mutual. So I, I have some questions for you, and and one thing I want to share just from the get go is that I don't know if we've ever had a corporate or executive coach on our podcast. So you're number one for that. And I know you also have training. Yeah. And I also, I know the the audience can't see that, but Cliff is excited to know that he's number one when it comes to coaching.
1: Insert fist pump.
0: Exactly. That's right. That's right. So, um, one of the things that I, I wanted to talk with you about was how you ended up getting into this field. I mean, what, what were the precipitating events that led you into the psychology field?
1: You know, I, I'll say this, Andrew, the wild thing that was taking place prior to me getting involved in corporate and executive c suite professional development coaching, right? Before I got into that, I was, I was working ferociously, to master my own respective world as, a clinical, ther- as a, a clinical director, at a treatment program, all while being the program director and the National family program director, I was working a lot. And needless to say, I'd bumped my head a couple of times on this idea of burnout. Not that that's a real thing for anybody else, but definitely for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, <clears throat> I had become somewhat, you know, stretched thin because I was also doing my, uh, my CGP uh, certification through AGPA and IGPA.
0: Can you talk um, about the CGP for a quick second? What, what does that stand for, for those who don't know?
1: So the CGP is, uh, uh, is an international certification. Uh, you become a certified group psychotherapist. Uh, the name itself was just really enticing. Not to mention my father is, uh, is a uh, CGP and also a fellow of AGPA. So, I definitely wanted to at least kind of move in that same area or environment that my father uh, has been moving as far as his development is concerned uh, as a, a group psychotherapist. So, uh, I decided to get credentialed.
0: It sounds like your father is part of your inspiration. So, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit more about that.
1: So, a couple of things. Um, while I was kind of like fighting through that respective burnout, uh, my dad was looking at me with all sorts of concern because he really felt like I, was, uh, I wasn't doing a very good job of kind of taking care of me uh, while also uh, being the best that I could be as a, a leader and a, a, a therapist at, at this drug and alcohol treatment program. So uh, I decided that I wanted to go out and hang my own shingle. Now with the, uh, the CGP certification, I, at that time, this was back in 2020, 2019, uh, at that time I felt like I was you know, secure enough with my own uh, license and credentials that I could step out into uh, the private practice world. My father has been a group psychotherapist for, oh God, uh, almost 50 years. Uh, he just oh. retired this past January. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dr. Scott Simon Fair and his wife, my mother, Ellen Fair, uh, they both, really have been the guiding rods in my life as it relates to uh, individual health, mental health, as well as uh, professional development. Hmm. So thank you, know, thank you, mom and dad, for kind of paving the way uh, as a therapist because both of them are current, uh, current therapists.
0: I mean, it's a beautiful story. I, I, I don't know that many sons who would speak about their parents as mental health clinicians in, in the kind of glowing terms that you are. I, sometimes actually when there's a psychologist in the family, the, the kids run in the other direction. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oftentimes I have.
0: <laughs> so it just depends on where the wind blows, right?
1: Well, truth be told, they're, they're, they're a cut above. They really are unique people, mm-hmm. uh, Both you know, uh, both kind of moving and transitioning to South Florida from Greenwich Village so that alone uh, kind of adds a different uh, zest, zeal, or twist on who they are. Very open at the top. I, I really couldn't see myself not pursuing uh, some image or like, 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 likingness or uh, likeness of my parents because they really are phenomenal people. And I say that without some type of bribery or, or uh, encouragement. Uh, definitely a whole lot of bias, but they really are awesome people. Uh, not just in the way that they ran their their business as therapists, but also um, how they've shown up as human beings in this world. Mm.
0: So you've really not only been inspired, but you've taken the ball and run with it.
1: Man, it's just some some uh, big shoes to fill. You know, my mom was uh, Elizabeth Fair. My my grandmother, excuse me, uh, was uh, one of the pioneers in the Birkin Canal uh, uh, experiential approach to to therapy. Um, she was a fierce woman uh, of uh, psychotherapy and uh, psychoanalysis. And uh, she definitely instilled a lot of that or as much as she could in both my father and my, my mother. Um, so just some big shoes to fill, especially with dad being a, a, a writer uh, about the subject matter of group therapy. Um, I just, I, I feel like there's, there's always more that I can do as, as a, a member and a participant in family.
0: So it really goes back a few generations. And, and I, I hear that there's some pioneering that your grandmother and your parents have, have really started certain ways of, of uh, research and, and, and writing and everything that it takes to you know, not only be clinicians, but also academics.
1: They, they really have, Andrew. I, I feel humbled by the amount of work that's involved in the development for yourself Um, as a, as a therapist, as a clinician, I I feel, I feel it necessary that we, you know, ultimately become students of the craft or of the, the, uh, the science of psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've watched my predecessors, you know, do that day in day out and really embody this model of being the, uh, the lifelong student. Um, I see my peers who are operating at their, their best, really never taking a day off as it relates to their own professional and personal development. So who am I to not fall in line with that if I aspire to be at least someone who can attempt to hold a candle to some of their work? i.e. yourself, my parents, uh, my grandmother.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of the things that, that I'm curious about, because I really want to introduce you as best I can to our listening audience, is how, how has mental health in general, um, group therapy, and also addiction um, work, how, how has all of that taken shape for you over the years?
1: So it's it's interesting because... Me cutting my teeth in those various arenas, or uh, working with those respective populations, preparing me for work within the corporate world. Being able to take, um, you know, severe and persistent mental illness, and introduce the idea of having fierce conversations in the workplace. I really find that it's uh, uh, it's been uh, really trippy to see how parallel that that can be, uh, because. You, you have to have a degree of strength in those developed or derived boundaries that mm-hmm. you set with clients uh, as it relates to uh, behavioral challenges or antisocial behavior, right? like some of those same um, therapeutic approaches uh, with clarity in deriving uh, some goals in treatment. Uh, they do show up whenever you're working with high-powered CEOs or C-suite executives. Hey, listen, I need you to be on time. I want you to make sure that you commit to doing the work that we're going to do in coaching just as well as I would expect the same thing from my clients who are struggling with acti- activities of daily living. So I, I've watched those parallels really play out in a really remarkable way, um, but it's come because of the fact that I've had the opportunity of working with you know, uh, those various different populations ranging from severe and persistent mental illness all the way through to uh, substance use and uh, family systems and, um, the family program with various treatment programs. So it's, uh, it's, it's been oddly familiar yet weird at the same time to see all these parallels kind of play out.
0: Mm. And and how about recently? What, what, what's your current focus?
1: Oh, um, currently, and as a matter of fact, I'll say this, I'm, I'm up in Toronto dealing, uh, dealing with, um, not dealing with, but actually engaging with one of my corporate clients up here. They have a, uh, office, uh, for one of their regions, uh, here in Toronto. So I'm here working with one of their uh, regional leaders in order to, to really start digging deeper into some of their, uh, their challenges that they're having with, you know, having t- difficult conversations, you know, challenges with, uh, cohesion as a team. And that's something that we deal with in group therapy. You know, also dealing with uh, some of the uh, intra-departmental conflicts, right? So, like, those things are very real for corporate America, just as as they are real for us as individuals trying to live our lives uh, as human beings in our own uh, microcosm, as well as macro, right? So... My hope is that the, the training and the development that I've had an opportunity to experience both in AGPA as well as under the fair uh, within the FAIR household, I can take that and offer that up to corporate America, and it's something that gifts them some additional insight and some tools and resources they wouldn't have necessarily had access to had it not been for a certified group psychotherapist coming in as an executive coach.
0: So how, how did you get started with the corporate coaching?
1: So ultimately, the pandemic was difficult for us all. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of us have, as individuals um, who may have had the, uh, the exposure to therapy really had to start making some changes in the way that they, they viewed therapy or interacted with it, such as virtual Uh, virtual therapy and and not necessarily being able to have that face-to-face physical contact with that therapist, physical meaning uh, being able to get a handshake or some type of, you know, physical presence in front of them. And immediately during the the pandemic, that was right when I had stepped out into my own private practice and hung my shingle. So February of 2020, February 21st of 2020 fast forward to March 16th of 2020 um, between the start of my private practice, which was February to the pandemic hitting and closing everything down, beginning March 16th. I, I was, I was at a bit of a loss. Like how Mm. do I, how do I now get traction and grow a practice? Well, uh, unbeknownst to me, I had befriended my number one champion uh, separate and apart from mom and dad, but my personal uh, and intimate champion. And uh, he introduced me to um, a company that uh, that he was very familiar with, and encouraged me to uh, provide that respective company with some uh, some support, and uh, in order to help them get through the the struggles that the pandemic was providing as a therapist. So, so things like crisis management uh, and crisis intervention, suicide management and suicide intervention, mm-hmm. and that began my my journey into the corporate world um mm-hmm. that that one invite and encouragement to support those respective teams mm-hmm.
0: and and just out of curiosity are you running into any addictive compulsive issues with any of your corporate clients or or within their systems
1: so you know i got to be careful how i answer that um but what i will say is that um you know, people are definitely people across the board, whether it's in the corporate structure or Mm -hmm. it's in the quiet recesses of a private practice. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, we all have our own respective uh, challenges that we're, we're, uh, working through or vices that we're struggling with. And it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, Mm -hmm. whether it's success or, or the bottom of the barrel. It's, like it's very real for us all. So I hope that answered your question without answering your question. <laughs> well,
0: I'll tell you where it came from. I imagine that, that the parallels between private practice um, and other mental health settings are, are really very similar to what happens in the corporate world. It's like you said, we're all human. We all have our challenges and issues. And, and so I, it was just something that struck me, you know, as we were talking about this, that, um, that really all of your skills are transferable. So you've taken them to a corporate setting and, and, and everything that you have under your belt benefits, uh, folks in, in, the, in that setting.
1: Okay. So I'll, 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 dig a little deeper into that then, you know, had it not been for having a good, uh, familial support system, I really feel like. There could have been uh, a flare up of, you know, uh, historical challenges or struggles for myself as far as depression and or, you know, any other type of particular substance use just as a default, because we ultimately look for those pressure release valves, uh, especially whenever we're under such uh, direct and immediate scrutiny, you know, with, you know, within the the C-suite executives. You know, mm. we need those breaks. We need to be able to do some self-care. And oftentimes when we can't see opportunities for us, uh, for ourselves, um, we, we can reach for the extra, the extra container of haagen or, you know, <laughs> uh, a quick, and dare I say, a quick bump of Coke in order to just like get ourselves moving and not stuck in mm. the circumstantial minutiae. Um, and, and that, you know, that may hit some of those high performers, Mm -hmm. uh, in some ways that either they don't know, or maybe the rest of the world doesn't understand, Mm -hmm. um, just as much as it could hit, you know, uh, the lower SES. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's really weird. Like it, it doesn't matter what kind of garb you wear every day. Like it it can, it can impact all of us the same way. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So Did that answer your question?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I think what, um, what comes to mind and I think this is important to distinguish is that coaching and counseling are different. And I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about the differences.
1: One of the, one of the the, the things that shows up as being, you know, a, a finite difference for me as a coach versus me working with uh, someone in the therapeutic process is I I tend to focus more on like the brief solution focused approach, right? Like we are, we're dealing with your communication at work. We're dealing with your time management. We're dealing with, you know, personality conflicts. Like we're, we're just like, we're spot shooting a lot of this stuff and mm-hmm. um, the, the parallels do work in both a benefit as well as, maybe a, a nuisance. Um, because, you know, one of the books that I may refer to a corporate client may start tapping on their heartstrings. Whereas I would normally want to stay more higher level with, you know, um, a book like, you know, extreme ownership, not to plug that book, but, you know, something that would be more of a, a cognitive read and less of a heartfelt approach. um, so there, there, there are those differences that I really try to, you know, nail down, and really speak from a place of empowerment and and a challenge to uh, engage their their thinking uh, more from, I guess, even a, a cognitive behavioral approach, or at least a cognitive uh, therapeutic approach, uh, to them being able to take control of or engage their. Uh, their, their teams or themselves in the change process um, with counseling man i'm'm I'm, I'm ready to rip and roll let's open up some of these boxes that are hiding out in your in your heart to see how those respective uh, unresolved challenges are preventing you from being your highest and best self mm-hmm. um, uh, whereas with the corporate coaching I'm really to some extent especially when it comes to working with stakeholders such as like a private equity group that may be funding the uh, development of their C-suite executives or their management team. Um, I'm really looking to make sure I check those proverbial boxes to make sure that those respective people I've been entrusted with developing or growing in that direction. So I don't really have a whole lot of time to kind of like do the unfolding process of, you know, some of the therapeutic work I may be gifted you know, for an insurance paying client. Um, uh, so for corporate work, it's really, Hey, you got six sessions to get this person from a performance improvement, performance improvement plan all the way to, you know, knocking out their numbers on a, on a weekly or biweekly or monthly basis.
0: Mm. So if I'm hearing you correctly in your corporate client uh, population, you really have to laser it that, that you identify what it is that you're going to work on and, and really have a very, very clear uh, trajectory.
1: Absolutely. From start to finish. I mean, and nine times out of 10, I'm enlisting the support of HR or uh, talent, uh, uh, talent development and acquisitions. Like I'm, I'm really getting some additional support from uh, some of the, um, the corporate family, right? Or the C-suite itself in order to make sure that I've conceptualized properly what the issue is and how this person's respectively struggling in order to uh, find that start point.
0: Sure. And, and as you develop your corporate work, I'm, I'm curious where you see yourself developing uh, the corporate work separate from your counseling work.
1: I, I'll, I'll tell you this. What I want to see is, the ability to one day stand in front of a mirror and or the public and know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the next challenge or issue that comes up in the work that I do with corporate America uh, will be resolved within, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour of the first session. Like, that's what I want, you know, and I feel like that's the, the that's the thing that I would, uh, say that I started the conversation off with my father about being a therapist, you know, I told him, I said, I want to find that button inside everyone that I can push and make everything go down or go away and just like provide that solution and or healing. That's my magical answer to that. You know, I'd love to be the person that has the knowledge base, that has the the experience and the information to just be able to solve and resolve those respective challenges that, corporate america is having with being a human leader. Um, mm. I'd love to have that 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 would be the ideal place. And and and
0: with that vision I'm I'm curious what helps you sharpen your skills and 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 keep moving in this direction that that and and the vision that you have for yourself.
1: I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of reading, a lot, right? And I feel like that's that's probably a blessing and a curse from the vantage point of it demands quite a bit for me uh, as it relates to time. And sometimes being able to uh, kind of let that information percolate and settle into uh, myself can be uh, a bit of a challenge. Um, but I would say, um, reading. And. And investigating, right, I ask a lot of questions of a lot of leaders. I had lunch with uh, uh, the mayor of Fort Lauderdale last Friday, and it's always just interesting to hear how someone got to where they are, how they're sustaining that success and Mm -hmm. what are some of those barriers or or struggles that they're dealing with. That keep them from getting to the next level, or that they're working through in order to arrive at the next place in their journey, and I think I I think a a myriad of those respective things just kind of come up as being uh, um, my my current uh, my current work to get better at at who I am, um, or becoming who I'd like to be. Right.
0: You know, when when you were talking about the the mayor of Fort Lauderdale, what what it reminded me of is those people who cross our paths, who really inspire us and who say something or embody something that, that really turns us on in different ways. And I, my therapist was um, talking with me about the idea of bookending the day that the begin, beginning of the day is a tone setter and the end of the day is a tone setter. And um I used to end my day and I still do sometimes with a sitcom. I used my sitcoms are are kind of like a sedative for me, but, but he suggested that I I get a book that's inspiring, whether it be a a biography, autobiography, anything that really is that kind of um, inspirational reading. And I don't do enough of it, I admit, but I think the idea is really significant because it sounds like you're investment in your books and in your reading is, is what helps sharpen your skills all the time.
1: All the time. I mean, I have a a couple of different ways of taking in that knowledge, you know, listening to you speak about being able to, you know, uh, uh, listen to and watch sitcoms. Uh, It feeds me just like it feeds you. Right. Um, Uh, I also, you know, have a degree of levity that I introduce into my day, which is, you know, watching sports, but when I'm, when I'm trying to, you know, when I'm trying to get that next nugget, I feel it's my responsibility to make sure that I have that for the next person I talk with, the next leader that I'm coaching, the next team that I'm working with, you know, it's, it, it does nothing worse than sitting there, uh, being looked at as a person that is theoretically supposed to have an answer or a possible mm-hmm. uh, a possible solution, mm-hmm. and you're you're fumbling with words, or you know you tell them I'm gonna have to get back to you. Uh, I didn't like it at the beginning, and I for damn sure try to stay away from it currently. So, mm-hmm.
0: so we're almost out of time, but I, I have a question that I ask generally at the end of our episodes, and it goes like this. If there's a particular takeaway or takeaways that you would like our listeners to, to take with them from our conversation, what, what, what might they be? What would be something in particular that you would hope they would take with them?
1: Stay versatile. The world needs you agile. You know, and I say that just like really clear, the amount of agility that I really feel most of us don't even understand or know that we have inside of us. Is immeasurable. Uh, I never knew that I'd be in this position that I'm in currently. When I first started back with finishing up my undergrad, or when I, you know, was growing up as a child, uh, there were various things that was preparing me for a life that I never knew existed, and/or opportunities that I never knew would come. But the best thing that I've been able to do over the course of my you know last ten to twenty years is to be able to look up and say yes when when things were presented, um, and I was able to get some good guidance, me saying yes gave me an opportunity to grow into someone that I never imagined possible. Uh, my life is what it is, which is beyond my wildest dreams, and that's because of the fact that I've been able to stay versatile um, and 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 agile. I, I would say that would probably be the biggest thing, especially for any of the therapists that are listening out there. You know, life sometimes calls us to actually do something uh, larger than what we ever imagined, and it, it does call for us to be uh, agile.
0: And if I can add to what you said, which I think is so significant, it's it's also important for those in in recovery, especially long-term recovery, to be versatile and agile and to have that kind of ability to sometimes go with you know basically to live life on life's terms but to be able to go with the detours that that are inevitable and to know that there's something there to learn and and there's always something there to learn so i i really appreciate those words of uh, versatility and agility that um we don't often talk about actually on on the podcast but that's a, a beautiful way to end so with that said i just want to thank you again cliff for joining us today so terrific to have you be a part of today's conversation
1: thank you very much for having me i really appreciate you andrew All right
0: you take good care thanks for listening today If you're so inclined, please give us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe and share my podcast with those who may benefit. I look forward to you joining us the next time. And don't forget to stay connected.